0: Good morning and welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel today is from the 20th chapter of John, beginning at verse 19. Glory, Glory to, you, to you, O Lord. Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas... One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was there. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to uh, pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer this morning in our time of meditation. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. As I have uh, been thinking about today's passage, I kept wondering to myself, what is a preacher to do? Those are... Words that I've heard repeated multiple times by Reverend David Lose. He is a pastor at uh, Olivet Lutheran Church in downtown, or down in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Um, he used to be a professor at uh, Luther Seminary uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And and David Loss has written multiple commentaries on uh, the passages uh, that are preached on a weekly basis. And oftentimes, when he finds texts that have a multitude, he has a multitude of potential ways to preach. He oftentimes asks the question what is a preacher to do? Does this resurrection account sound familiar to you at all? It should because this particular gospel account is read every single year on this, the first Sunday after Easter. The lectionary series never deviates. This passage is read every single year. So that means that I've already preached six sermons on this passage in the last six years what could I even remotely do to find something new to preach on that you haven't heard before so I don't know something that I say to me might sound familiar with something that I've said before but as far as I know I've I've, I haven't preached kind of this theme in the past but maybe I have Uh, I didn't actually go back and review any of my sermons, so I don't really know what I preached the past six years. I do find that these 12 verses, it's 12 very simple verses, that they are literally packed. They are packed with a host of themes and a multitude of faith, not only faith, but also human dynamics that we could consider today. And one of the things that I've been contemplating on this week is what was it like for Thomas to be on the fringes in a certain sense? What was it like for Thomas to be on the sidelines? What was it like for Thomas to feel like he had missed out on something wonderful what was it like for Thomas to feel like he had missed out on something divinely inspired? Something miraculous. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's always too much within the context of the Gospels that's missing. I just wish that there was a, a more fuller, uh, multiple-page Gospel uh, because we're oftentimes left with so much to speculate and ponder about because of all the things that seem to be left out. It's kind of like that Paul Harvey series, and I think all of us here are old enough to remember that and to know that. It's the Paul Harvey series, The Rest of the Story. And more often than not, we don't hear and we don't see the rest of the story in these gospel passages And yet the beauty, the beauty of not knowing the rest of the story is what makes life and what makes faith to be filled with so many more possibilities. Because as I look around this sanctuary right now, right here, right now, there are faith stories that abound. You may not feel that way, you may not actually think that, but there are faith stories that abound just through the context of the membership of our church. You and I, collectively together, we have faith stories to tell. Because there is so much that we don't know about you, that we don't know about your life, that we don't know about how it is that you grew up into the faith, I don't think I can say with absolute certainty whatsoever that I know each and every one of you intimately or know anything about your previous past or what it was like for you to grow up as a kid or what it meant for you to come to faith. Think about the potential of all of the rest of the stories that are right here, right now, in this sanctuary, in this faith community. So I've been wondering and I've been pondering this week what Thomas must have been thinking and feeling. I mean, imagine this for a second. The disciples, they had this miraculous encounter with Jesus. Jesus spoke with them. He physically was present with them. He shared the peace with them. And in just a very few words... Jesus blessed them and He literally conferred the kingdom work upon them. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then He breathed on them and He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then after that, He confers upon them the gift and the ability to forgive or not forgive and to extend forgiveness in the name of Christ And to imagine all of that... Now, granted, it must have taken a whole lot more time. But for our gospel passage purposes, all of that took place within the context of three verses. I'm already exhausted. Wow! I know, being a little bit too melodramatic there, I guess... Now that must have given these disciples something to talk about. Think about that. All of these things that Jesus did when he came in, up to them and was with them in the upper room. If these disciples didn't have something to talk about after that, then I don't know what's wrong with them. I can just hear him saying now, Whoo, Okay guys, it's time to sit down together and have some Theological discussion about what just happened to us. And yet, here Thomas missed it all. Can we even begin to understand or know what the disciples had been talking about or discussing all throughout this week? I mean, they must, they must have been buzzing all week long about what this encounter was like for them to have Jesus come to them in the upper room. And then for all of these things that he did, that he conferred upon them the kingdom, and then he breathed on them, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, I give you the power to go out and forgive sins and extend peace to one another. All the implication of what just happened to them, they must have been just going back and forth and having all this conversation. And yet here's Thomas sitting on the sidelines, taking it all in. I didn't get to see Jesus. In many respects, I, for one, find Thomas to be the disciple that I most readily relate to. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, of all the disciples, which of the disciples do you most readily relate? Relate to. Well, I, for one, I find Thomas to be the disciple that I readily relate to because I was much like Thomas for a significant period in my life. For much of my life, throughout my youth, through my high school, and even into my college days, I oftentimes found myself on the sidelines, or at least on the fringes of what was happening. In a certain sense, there's a lot of truth to that, although some people would say, I think you're underselling yourself. Because one of the things I know as a young person, uh, throughout high school and college, I was always attracted to, and I was actively involved in the church youth groups, both in high school and also the the campus ministry groups in college. When I was in high school, I was involved with an ecumenical singing group called the Shalom Singers. And we had a pretty phenomenal uh, ministry going on in a small town in America uh, with this group of people that got together every week and practiced and sang songs and led worships in churches all around the communities and throughout the, the small towns near and, near and far from where we lived. If you were to ask some of my high school team, if you were to ask some of my high school uh, classmates about me, they would, if they were asked to describe me, they would say, Corbin? <laughs> he was a Jesus freak. That's what they called me back then. See, people didn't call me by first name. They called me by my last name. Corbin, Jesus freak. One of my best friends to this very day, I call him up on the phone. The first thing he says is, Corbin! Well, yeah, I was a Jesus freak. But from the outside appearances, it looked like that. But I can tell you that inside of me, inside of me, I still was filled with all kinds of questions and all kinds of uncertainty about what it was that I believed about Jesus. And I really think, for me, and as I grew in my faith, I think I could be described as being a a slow bloomer. I specifically recall those times when I was in college when I felt like my faith was inadequate or not up to the standard of what my other Christian brothers and sisters were living and experiencing through their faith expression in in the campus ministries that I was involved with. Because you see... I don't know. I I've, I've got this bad habit. I compare myself to people. You know, I just I don't seem to uh, match up with people very well. Because you see my friends, they all prayed better than me. They prayed out loud. They prayed they prayed they they prayed, you know, impromptu. They could pray on the spot. You know, I was one of those persons where I had to think about it for a while and maybe even write down some notes about what I was I was gonna pray. I have this distinct memory when I was in high school at our senior banquet in high school, they asked me, Corbin, the Jesus freak, they asked Corbin to get up and say the prayer in front of all these high school seniors at our high school banquet, and I blah 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 blah. Talk about feeling like a fool. And then 25 years later, at my 25th high school reunion, we were having our banquet, and they asked me to pray again. And I got up there, and I spoke this wonderful, eloquent prayer. One of my classmates came up to me and says, I didn't know you could pray like that. (laughs) Apparently, he remembered what I bumbled back when I was a senior at the senior banquet. But all my friends and colleagues, they prayed better than me. They knew more Scripture than I did. They had passages that were memorized. They would readily quote Scripture just like that on a dime they were bold about talking about their faith they even were bold about how to come to faith they had the whole formula down okay first and foremost you have to do this and then you got to you got to repent of your sins and then you got to say the jesus prayer and you know i mean all of my friends in college they all knew this stuff and i'm just kind of like the oh yeah and many of my christian friends in college spoke in tongues not me In many respects, I was Thomas. I had questions. I was uncertain. The faith was there, but it was sketchy. And I yearned for more. And I appreciate what Deb Thomas says about this life experience because it speaks to me. It speaks to me about who I was, and I think it speaks about who Thomas was. She says, I see Thomas as a man who yearned for a living encounter with Jesus. I see Thomas as a man who wouldn't settle for someone else's experience of resurrection, but stuck around, but stuck around in hope of having his own. A man who dared to confess uncertainty in the midst of those who were certain. That's me to the T. That statement fits me to the T especially back when I was in college. I also like what David Lose wrote about this passage. He says that true, vigorous, vibrant faith comes from the freedom to question, to wonder, and to doubt. Wow, that gives me permission. That gives me permission to question and to wonder and to doubt. I, too, think it's important to make... I think it's important to make room for a little doubt because I can respect and understand people who ask questions and who wonder and who have uncertainty because I was one of them. But I was also one of those persons, much like Thomas, who I stuck around because I yearned. I yearned and I yearned and I yearned to have a living encounter with Jesus. And over a great period of time, my faith in Christ took on a life of its own. Within the context of various Christian communities that I've been a part of over the years, and I can tell you that I have many, many people. I have numerous people to thank for helping me along in my faith journey. People who were teachers, who were mentors, who were faithful followers of Jesus. It was their encouragement and their mentorship in that greater Christian community that made it possible for me to have a living encounter with Jesus that made faith possible through the working of the Holy Spirit. And one of the other things that I've come to realize over time is that faith is a daily experience. It's much like Martin Luther, who in his explanation on the third article of the Creed, he says, I have come to... To have an understanding that I cannot, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. And I cannot, by my own understanding or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But instead, each and every single day, the Holy Spirit continues to call me through the gospel and enlightens me with the gifts of grace and confers upon me Christ's forgiveness and makes it possible for me to be kept each day in the true faith. And Martin Luther continues to go on. He says that same Holy Spirit that calls, gathers, and enlightens me every day, it also calls, gathers, and enlightens the entire Christian church. And it keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. I think today is a day in the life of the church when we make room for all the Thomases in our world. And I have a hunch that there are many. Maybe you are a Thomas. I was one of them. And there are still some days even now when those Thomas tendencies and uncertainties creep in on my faith journey. And yet Christ, Christ does not and cannot be stopped. Christ does not stop, keep coming. He breaks through all of those barriers. He breaks through all those walls and he keeps on coming each and every single day with his outstretched hands and the wounds and his scars from the cross. And he extends peace and he gives us the gift of faith and the invitation to walk with him, knowing and having the assurance that we have life, that we have life not only in this life, but in the life that is yet to come, that we have life in his name, and that every single day resurrection happens all over again. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our t- and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.